Say That, the podcast for your big questions to get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Yes, hello. You know, whatever. No big whoop. <laughs> okay. So joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I actually think greeting people is very important. Hospitality is a key part of Christian life. I'm, wow. I'm offended by the assertion we should just gloss over that. Wow. Wow. Well, that, may be the, that may be the earliest in the show anyone's ever gotten offended before. Exactly right. <laughs> Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. It's not the earliest in the show because that one time you introduced me before Glenn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was pretty fast. That's yeah. true. Thanks for bringing that up, Lee. Yeah. I'm going to call your boss tomorrow and just inform him of things you've done that he didn't like. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a chance you two might fight? Oh, tell us why you would say that, Jed. Oh, no reason. Or wait, maybe there's a reason. What's the reason? Okay, last week we talked about... Wait, before that, do you want to... Is there something I want to declare? Yeah, would you... Or we could just get right into You don't have to declare anything if you don't want to no, declare No, you know, that should bring it up. I do kind of want to make a declaration. Oh, okay. What, I what's could declare decla- my love for my wife. Sure, that's good. I could good. declare right. my allegiance to my Savior. Sure, that's a good one. Or I could declare emergency. Emergency? What's the emergency? If you ever listen to this show and wonder, you know, when Matt tries to segue into stuff, it's kind of clunky. Why is he the host? <laughs> You just got an answer to that. Yeah. It's a real lesser of evil situations. <laughs> All right. Last week, we talked about Faith Puncher. That's Woo! right. Our improved version of God is Not Dead. Sure. Where people of different faiths would battle it out in, in the, the octagon circle. of brotherhood. And they will say, I. Are you can- Go ahead, Lee. Wow. No, he just wanted to yell Hadouken. For that was the street fighter. That was good. I just, I just it was so good. The, the reason there was a uh, beat of silence there when he. Glenn tried to throw to Lee is Lee just said that out loud and then literally tipped a bag of chips entirely <laughs> vertical to celebrate the Street Fighter reference. Because it's not Street Fighter if there's not chips involved. People of the interstate of the interstate. <laughs> it's, it's been a long. We week. start. We started a new distribution program where we just put this thing on cassette and just go try to throw it in people's cars. Yeah. They go on the highway. It has so far been very unsuccessful. Okay, so. Last week, talk about Faith Puncher, eight face center of the octagon, only one leaves victorious. Like you got a Calvinist who says, how about irresistible grace? And then just punches you in the face. Who has an irresistible <laughs> right hook? Exactly right. Sure. Yeah, that's, you know, and you, it's you, the perseverance of the Southpaw. You know, eternal security <laughs> uppercut. Yeah, exactly Boom. right. It's like, I'll punch you in the faith. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we call it Faith Puncher. Exactly right. Which we thought was better than the God's Not Dead debating movie in college that's coming out well we didn't think that was better yeah we're completely confident in every way that our fictional movie is better than that yeah to the point where we do true. have a call in the kevin sorbo's people yeah exactly right yeah everybody loves debating hercules sure but turned out we heard from a fan of, i didn't know we had any uh right. but apparently we have fans of this we podcast look, we got people that are fans big fan yeah big fan maybe not plural we probably aren't gonna use an ass but but, you know, you know fan. We heard from literally a person on this <laughs> who we presume is a fan to tell us that. And this is the emergency part because we don't declare emergency for no reason. I'd, I'd be so. responsible. Come on. To declare to us that Faith Buncher, it's already been made. It's already a real movie. <laughs> okay. And we were like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Yeah. Jed, are you referring to an email that may have, uh, the subject line may have been holy. And then a word that often follows holy, which I, I won't use for fear of losing our lack of an explicit tag. Okay. Faith puncher is real. Yeah, yeah. it's Yeah. Yeah, I, I sent that email. Well, aren't you a fan of this podcast, Matt? It's an interesting point. Way to go. He was trying to keep you anonymous. It's very esoteric. Trying yeah. To be, trying to be subtle about it. I mean, Matt, if you if you don't believe in you, how do you expect anyone else That's to? That's right, sure. Matt. That's Especially true, when you man. get all sorts of uh, when I get all sorts of encouragement about the show, like maybe more than one person listens. <laughs> who's to say? <laughs> well, now that the cat's out of the bag on who our fan is, yeah. Matt. Yeah, Matt. <laughs> would you like to tell us about the real faith puncher? Sure. See, you all laughed when I got this number one Say That fan shirt made, <laughs> but it's true. Well, and just before you explain the real faith puncher, can, can, I, can I explain the frustration that I have that I know that you share with me on this podcast that we're trying clearly to spoof 
Christian culture on some of these things, and that they are so far gone. It's, it's beyond like parody. The, the, yeah, the spoof is more than the. You see what I'm saying? I'm with you. How I'm with you, you. Anyway, go ahead. Punch no, us in the face. No, we recorded on last Sunday. We recorded that episode. We did the whole faith puncher bit, which again, I don't know why we need to reiterate this. We don't write any of this out beforehand because <laughs> holy lord, it was gold. Yeah, you know, we kind of come up with it's some gold, weird Jerry. stuff off the top of our head at the end of a long day. <laughs> We came up with Faith Puncher, and then it was not two days later that I saw an article about something even more ridiculous. Later There's on. a movie being directed by an Academy Award-winning documentarian okay. called wow. Fight oh. Church. <laughs> Fight Church. Everybody loves Fight Church. And it is about... And you're, you're not joking. This no, is an actual Fight thing. Church. Okay. Well, the first rule of Fight Church is that you don't talk about Fight Church. Which is uh, kind of like, how do you even invite people? You know. Sure. Well, that leads us to the second rule of fight church. It's not. Uh, a, it's not a secret friendly. You thing, don't talk right? about it. You just put it on flyers. Exactly. Oh, right. I see. Okay. You, you can have fight church billboards. Sure. Sure. So you got your fight church, okay. which is pastors who also do MMA, beating the bejesus out of each other. Yeah. <laughs> There's wow. a trailer on yeah. YouTube. If you type in fight church, you'll find the trailer. No. A quote from one of the pastors in the trailer, we'll just be a couple of God-fearing men punching each other in the face. <laughs> oh That's a wow. real quote from a real person who <laughs> wow. pastors a real church. <laughs> well, I mean, where... Be careful with those adjectives there, bro. Okay, here's what I... You know, here's what we need to do is just shut this whole thing down. Okay, okay. <laughs> it just... You know what I mean? Sure. It's just uh, what do you what do you how are you even going to deal with that? Are you saying you want to cancel the fight church? No, no, I'm saying shut down this podcast. I mean, Jed, you, know, Jed, you trying can, to start a hashtag over there, buddy? How can, how can we overcome this thing? You see what I'm saying? I mean, well, like, I think we have to in the in the spirit of fight church, we have to carry on against the odds. Sure. Now I want to point out, I'm looking at a, a picture of the poster here. They've got a guy in the octagon. With a very ostentatious um, Ed Hardy style cross tattoo on his back. Okay. And they've made the uh, kind of the text to make, kind of make a cross. And in the middle it says Fight Church. Right. And then on the bottom part, kind of, you know, a documentary about MMA fighting and Christianity by Academy Award winning Daniel Hyung and Brian Storkel. Then they had to make the top of the cross. So, you know, they'll occasionally movies will have a little tagline. And, uh, I want I want to get Glenn's honest reaction. It's the very top there. I want you to read the tagline. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead and share that with us. It says, "Punch thy neighbor." <laughs> that is oh, the. It does. It absolutely no, it says, does. "Punch thy neighbor." <laughs> yeah. Okay. When we are saying silly things on this podcast that are <laughs> below reality. Yeah. When reality is more bizarre than what we're talking about, how do you even? You know, what I mean, here's what I'm saying. We're having a meeting over at the church, you know. You say, well, you know, guys, we got to do stuff to get a reputation going in the community. And sure. Kind of get, and, and people are excited and they're interested in things, you know. So how do we bring people in? And somebody said, well, you know, we could get involved in feeding people. Sure. Or housing right. people. Sure. Or sure. getting medicine to people. Sure. Uh, and okay. then we could write up a little thing about that in the local paper and people will read about it. And then they'd say, well, this is kind of church with some heart. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go over there. Mm-hmm. And then that would be a thing. And that would be like in the Bible. Sure. You know, and Jesus healed people, sure. you know, sure. and, yeah, yeah. and fed people with the 5,000 on the thing. It you sounds know. Christian-ish. Yeah, I mean, you know, the least of these, uh, Matthew 25, the whole deal. I don't think I've read that. And then somebody, <laughs> somebody says... Well, we just punch each other in the face. <laughs> and you say, Jenkins. You're an idea, man. <laughs> you well, got it. Let's go with Jenkins' idea. And if you watch the uh, the Fight Church trailer on YouTube, which I cannot recommend highly enough, no. it's no, a yeah. fantastic it's great, three man. minutes. Mm. One of the more, <laughs> the, what I find far more offensive than the, the actual pastors beating the tar out of each other. Because here's a couple of things we all know. We all know pastors. Sure. Uh, Lee, we're all good friends with Lee, but up here in Chicago, we work with a bunch of many, many different churches who kind of come together to do our bridge service. It's it's a fairly frustrated group of people. Sure. It's a very difficult job. They're trying to do maybe without a lot of resources. you got to find a way to blow off some steam. Sure. 
Some people might try to go for a nice run or do some art or play around golf. But if you really feel that arm bars are the only way to do it, I don't, I don't think we need to begrudge you that. And also, as we've discussed a little bit on this podcast maybe before, I did martial arts for a long time when I was a kid. Sure. It's a lot of fun. It's a right. great thing. It's physical, and you build and kind of learn some discipline and learn self-defense right. a lot. Great. You could, as we've actually had, the, we've talked a lot about Fight Church in the last <laughs> right. week up here in Chicago. Yes. And one of the things we were ruminating on is you could just do like a little self-defense class or even right. an MMA right. club and right. get a bunch of guys in who may not normally come to church and then right. they meet the pastor. This isn't that. Right. There may be a little bit of that, but this is two pastors in bicycle shorts and fingerless gloves going into a cage and whooping on each other. Well, sure. It's, it's like two pastors having a bar fight, essentially. Well, that's I the mean, thing. you got to be like, when you watch UFC or whatever, those guys, their whole job is this. They've right. been doing it for many decades. Right. So there's actually some skill involved in that. It may look like chaos, but, but these are just dudes who have day jobs. Right. Beating the tar out of each other yeah. you know, in the name of Jesus. Glenn, I think Matt brings up a really good point. We could use his martial arts background to boost this podcast numbers. Right. No question. Here's what I'm saying, because that's what he's driving at, and I just want to, you know, he's being shy and humble about it. But what I right. hear Matt saying is, put me in the ring against, yeah. I don't know, for example, known MMA aficionado Mark Driscoll. Right. And just see what happens. Right. Well, I, I really didn't like this plan at the beginning, but I'm starting to come around. Two men enter, one man leaves. Sometime later, the other man also leaves. Yeah, because right. we're not barbarians here. Well, I'm going to tell you how bad all of this is. Tell me. I will make this idea straighter. Okay. And nicer. Okay. And it will still be so awful. Okay. We'll all immediately me. reject And it. let's be clear. When you say straighter, you mean in the sense of straight and narrow, not in a sexuality way, that's because correct. that's not the conversation we're having. That's correct. So it, let's I'm trying say, to save us some libel lawsuits here. Well done. Now, let's say we got we got Matt here with the martial arts or whatever. Right. But we don't like the idea of him pummeling another human being for Jesus. We don't like so, that idea at all, no. Nor do okay. we like the idea of him getting pummeled, because though he has trained martial arts, it's been a little while. Well, hold on. Don't hide, don't put your light under a bushel, man. Yeah, man. You know you got what Here's what I'm still saying. Right there. We're gonna clean it up a bit. We're gonna get like a a a, a you know like a a pit. We're gonna put him into a pit and then a series of animals, and he'll just punch animals <laughs> sure. and kill them with his martial arts. You, now that would be an unwatchable sure. travesty and shame, and that would be. Just an insanely awful thing to do. Maybe well, that's could, better than fight church. Maybe people could pay to get in, and you could build a, a really big round building for it. Yeah, something like some kind of coliseum. Yeah, sure. Just, there's, uh, a, exactly. there's a good history of Christians doing things it's, like that. Sure. I mean, yeah. How big? How big are these animals? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is uh, start with like a duck. I mean, you know, uh, I pay to watch you fight a duck. I mean, there's there are people who, you know, <laughs> like, well, you get a, a duck, you know, can fly away. I, sure. So you got to start with something more like a chicken. Punch okay. a chicken. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Matt's gonna punch a chicken. You know, come to this Which church. Is not a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, well, we're just gonna skip that. Matt <laughs> is gonna punch a chicken so people come to this church. That this is that's a better idea than what these guys are on. Well, I think we've really arrived at something good. Say that, listeners. Here's what we need you to do: write in and express your fort for the your support for the 2014 Matt King Chicken Fight. Right. Do well, it well now. I think the thing to do if we're gonna make this audience uh, audience interactive, yeah, is they need to write in with what. Exactly. Yeah. What person animal, or animal I should be? Fighting. Yeah. What animal yeah. do you want to see Matt punch for this podcast? This podcast, <laughs> podcast we will punch, punch an animal for you to to to. Hey, I got got a hashtag. Okay. Twenty fourteen. Say that we're punching up our numbers. Oh, that's there good. Go. That's good because yeah. the word punch means two different things there at the same time. Right. Clever. That's, yeah. It's double that's, entendre. Yeah. Or yeah. the French say a double meaning. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm satisfied on that note. I think I can go ahead and declare emergency off, but Matt King punches things on. Wow. Yeah, we had we had to do the super secret secret super secret signal to call that one there because I'm not exaggerating when I say we could do a four hour podcast on Fight Church. Yeah, pretty easily. I mean, what the complete heck is going on? 
Here's a here's a fun thing about Fight Church. People are going to pay money to see that because it's Christian, like the movie, and people go to these churches. They're going to spend their hard-earned money, $10, $12, to watch a documentary about pastors beating the tar out of each other. For less than that, for $8, they could get a lot of cool stuff for their own walk and support ministry that's actually smartly done Ooh. and not creepy. It we- doesn't involve a cage and two guys in bicycle shorts. Mostly. Yes, that's correct. Sure. And the way they can do that is via Bridgebox. You've heard us talk about it a little bit. Here's what Bridgebox is. You pay $8 a month. Very modest. We put that price point there so anyone pretty much can afford it. You get songs, sermons, writings, devotionals, a lot of stuff to build your walk every month based around a topic. And the money you give... We turn that around, and it helps fund our ministry here in Chicago. We've been able to get guys to come help us out with setting up our service so that we can do some more one-on-one ministry in our actual service time. We've had been able to hire part-time guys to do uh, some job scouting for us, people to do housing. We've been able to get people bus passes, get people into programs. All of that is stuff that we could not have done if it weren't for people who supported Bridgebox. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Or if you just feel like you need a little extra Lee Younger in your month, you can sign up for the Lee Younger branded Bridgebox where you get a brand new track from Lee every month, a little behind-the-scenes video, chords, um, lyric sheets, and you'll get some stuff that he's hand-selected from previous Bridgeboxes. That's MissionUSA.com slash BBLY. And if you sign up in the near future while supplies last, you will get the brand new Lee Younger T-shirt made on quality American apparel or roughly similar Nice lightweight T-shirt. It's got a, a quote from Lee's song. What's the what song quote is on there, Lee? Break of day. It's from break of break day. of day. I'll never be the same. I believe. What's the actual yeah. quote? I'll never be the same. There you go. And the the uh, the lyric the uh, kind of graphic from the front of the album that Lee Handrew. We got a few of those left laying around. Sign up now. MissionUSA.com/slash/bbly. If you're already a Bridgebox Lee Younger subscriber, uh, email us. We'll hook you up with something. And if you want both of those, you can email me, Matt at MissionUSA.com, for the super secret link to get both for $12 a month. All right, we're going to jump into our first question. If you have a question for us, hang out with us all the way to the end, and we'll give you some ways to get in contact with us. This question came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, how true is the statement, fake it till you make it? As Christians, we don't want to be disingenuous, or should we seek to actively deceive others or even ourselves? But there's this advice that says if we are not confident, we should pretend to be confident until we actually develop confidence. Does that actually work, acting, pretending, and faking your way through life? Lee, you want to start us off? Sure. Um, I don't... I don't like this phrase used in this way. I, I have said fake it till you make it. Uh, you know, a, a lot of times, um, one of the parts of my job that I do a lot is is leading a lot of worship uh, in church, in small groups, at at Young Life gatherings, and in, in jail ministry, all kinds of different venues. And this is a phrase that I use a lot when we're leading worship with people, If you know, especially if you're teaching somebody a brand new song they've never heard before. And we try to... You know, uh, we we try to make songs really easy to sing, really basic melodies and rhythms and stuff like that. So we encourage people to go ahead and start singing with us. As soon as we start singing, you start singing too. Even if you don't know it, just pretend, and then you'll catch on real quick, fake it till you make it. So I've used that phrase a lot in that kind of a situation, but I don't like this idea of faking uh, faking your way through your Christian life. And I, I think that's the way a lot of people do this thing. And um, I, I don't like it for a number of reasons. One... Um, it doesn't actually develop confidence in the way that you're asking about here. And if people have told you this, that's not really the way that works. And I think this actually gets a lot of Christians in trouble in the sense that, you know, they're growing up maybe, you know, for, particularly for people who grew up in the church. So you, you grow up around all these Christian people and they all seem really happy and they all seem like they've got something together and they all seem really excited about Jesus. And you don't really know what's going on, but you kind of you like that and you want to go with them. So you, you know, you, you're like, I guess I'll be excited about Jesus too. And you ask them, how are you doing? And they all say, well, I'm doing great. And so then they say to you, how are you doing? And you say, well, I'm, I'm great, but maybe you're not. And you just say you are anyway. And all of a sudden now, not only are you not doing great, but you've told everybody you are. And so now you can't really ask for help or you can't ask for prayer and you can't, you can't get any advice. You can't get any wisdom. This kind of thing just falls apart after a while. And to be honest, I think it's why you see a lot of people who grew up in the church, really excited about Jesus and everything, and then they go off to college. They have some real problems. They 
don't have any money or they run into some difficult relationships, big fights, that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden they completely lose their faith in the Lord or they run into some temptations they've never dealt with. And, and now the whole, the bottom has fallen out of the whole thing. Well, what, what you're seeing right there is somebody that didn't really have an active faith. This was somebody that had an inactive faith, somebody that was just kind of faking their way through it, and so they never really got, they never really had any prayer requests, they never really had any accountability, they never really had a mentor, they never really had anybody walking them through their life. The Christian life works the most to the degree that you are honest. It works the the most to the degree that you are authentic. Um, the verses that you mention in Mark chapter 11, it's something that happens when Jesus' last week on earth, when he's outside the temple and he curses this fig tree, and then the disciples are like, whoa, how'd you do that? And he says, well, you know, you can do the same kind of stuff. Anything that you ask for in prayer, believe it's yours. And, and I don't think that, uh, you know, I, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure what those verses mean. I, I, I've never gotten every single thing that I've asked for in, in prayer, but I don't think that what Jesus wants you to do is just pretend. Um, I pretend that I believe all this, and that's what's going to get it there. Jesus had a word that he used a lot. Uh, he, he talked about hypocrites, and he said, you know, and he had a lot of really negative stuff to say about hypocrites, and the word hypocrite is just a Greek word that we've moved over from their language into ours, and it literally is the word that they use to refer to actors. We don't want to act our way through this. We don't want to be disingenuous. We want to be honest. We want to be raw. We want to be the people that we really are, and when you are like that, if you push against this flow of everybody's great, everybody's fine, and we're all just faking our way through it, what you find is when you're honest, and people ask you how you're doing, you're like, you know, I'm not really doing that well. And they're like, oh, really? Well, tell me how I can pray for you. Now you got people praying for you. And then you might have somebody else say, man, I went through the same thing last week. Now you're not alone. You might have somebody else to say, I've been watching your life, somebody that you really trust and you look up to and say, I think you, you need to get this thing under control. And you might find that, that, that some of these other things open up. Now you've got a mentor helping you walk through this honesty and authenticity is the place where the whole Christian life becomes real and everything opens up. But faking our way through it, I don't think that we actually grow or get in deep if we do that. Absolutely. Glenn? Well, yeah. Well, I'm reading this question here, and it says, you know, as Christians, we don't don't want to be disingenuous or to actively deceive others and so forth. And I, I think it's uh, that's a great sentiment to have. I'm glad you wrote that down. I'm glad you feel that way. I agree with you. I feel the exact same way. But uh, let's all acknowledge the elephant in the room, which is Christians do that so dang much it's nuts. If you, I mean, the level of fakety, fake, fake, fakeness happening on Sunday morning is out of control in a lot of churches not not all of them for sure and we work in inner city churches and there's a lot more authenticity happening there uh, certainly plenty of them struggle with the same thing uh, but we we have seen many churches where the life of the church and literally the just the sanity level the just the ability to function and orient yourself through life is is being hampered by how fake we are. Mm -hmm. And it just, at some point, um, uh, everything that Lee is saying there about authenticity is, is uh, absolutely important. But I think, and, and I agree a hundred percent, but I think we have to acknowledge, uh, you know, when, when, when you hear a phrase that says fake it till you make it, you're saying the word fake sounds bad. And you're reacting off of that, but I think what I'm what I'm trying to present to you is that that you're already comfortable with it being fake. You just never called it fake. You know, when, when the, the word itself is the thing that's shocking you there. So let's be honest about that, uh, and and recognize that it needs to be something else. So. It's not just on the point of faking it till you make it. It's everything needs to be less fake. Second thing I'll say is that um, uh, Jesus, uh, it, it, during his earthly ministry, was really trying to get us to imitate him. Uh, Paul says, you know, uh, that he, he urges people, I want you to imitate me. And what he meant by that was not to 
pretend that they were Paul and like use his voice or something or whatever. They didn't mean preach the way that he preaches. He didn't mean uh, uh, try and whatever. He's saying, I have a, an approach to this thing. I have a, a, a mentality. I have a, a walk that I want for you to have. I want it to be in your own style, in your own voice, in your own unique relationship with God. But I want you to uh, be imitators of Christ, and I want you to uh, imitate, imitate the godly leaders you see around you. So that's a little bit different than acting like something you're not. It's sort of trying to put yourself in that other person's shoes and walk around, trying to see things the way they would see it, try and, and act the way that they would act. You know, it's like the what would Jesus do bracelet. You're trying to uh, uh, get your mind around how Jesus would handle these things and, and be imitative of that. And I think that's a great thing. I mean, we want to do that. Um, but at the same time, the point of authenticity comes in on being comfortable with being new mm-hmm. at this stuff. There's a lot of who's the most and who's the best and whatever, and that sort of, yeah. that's earthly mentality stuff. Uh, we want to we want to have a mentality about being new. I don't know if we said this on the podcast, but uh, Jed and I were talking with one of the uh, hands down best preachers. Two, we were talking to two preachers who are hands down two of the best uh, around, and um, uh, we were talking about this. And I, I introduced the two pastors to each other, and I said, uh, uh, "This is Pastor So and So. He's really a, a gifted, an amazing preacher." And he stopped me and he says, "No." I'm new. I'm still new. And the the other pastor said, "Me too. I'm new too. I'm not one of those experts." And uh, I think that's a moment that I wish more Christians could see that and hear yeah. that and experience that. Be comfortable being new. Being comfortable not knowing stuff. Being you know, be comfortable with all that. And I think once you are, then you can get into that mindset of kind of going with that flow in, in, a, in a more comfortable way and be uh, imitating Christ, but doing that again, of course, in your own way, what have you, rather than let me um, try to act like something I'm not in order to deceive people into thinking that I'm straighter than what I am. And that's the real problem. Absolutely, Jed. Uh, agree with these brothers totally. I just add two quick things. You know, the first is there's a balance on this stuff, and and if you think about it, you already know that. So when you go to interview for a job, for example, and you go in and they say, "Well, Mr. Smith, it's good to have you here this morning. How are you doing?" You don't say, "I'm incredibly nervous. I didn't sleep at all last night. I didn't eat anything for breakfast because I really need this job. And if you guys don't hire me, I am screwed." <laughs> right. You, right. You don't you don't say that because while that's in a strict sense, honest, right. it's uh, counterproductive. It's a social convention. You're putting your best foot forward. Here. Exactly right. They say, Mr. Smith, how are you? I'm great and glad to be here. Right. Um, yeah. And they, they, everybody knows you're nervous at a job interview. Right, right. You know, and, and after you get the job, you know, you go in and everybody knows it's it feels weird and awkward to be the new guy in the office. And, and so you're kind of projecting a bit more confidence. Well, hello, Jenkins. Great to meet you. You know, you're you're doing more of that than what you, you really have. And, and no, no one feels like you're just them. I mean, everybody gets that that's what's going on and, and what the deal is. So, again, there's a balance. Um, if, if we're still using the radio announcer voice after we've been there for a year, um, we probably want to pull up and ask why we're still doing that. But, you know, we all get that. I think the other thing that we want to look at is why are we afraid of things that are uncomfortable? In other words, I think part of what goes on for a lot of people and a lot of Christians is... If something is uncomfortable for me, um, that probably means it's bad. That probably means I need to shy away from it, and probably God wouldn't really, really ask me to do something that's uncomfortable. And I think we need to ask ourselves why that is. Um, We had a a dear friend who unfortunately passed away a few years ago who was fond of the phrase, we need to grow to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. We need to get to a point where we can embrace feeling disoriented and out of our element. Because if you're intent on growing in Jesus, that's going to involve a lot of feeling disoriented and out of your element and uncomfortable. And if you're saying that I want to, as a, I'm going to embrace the uncomfortability of it, and I'm going to maybe here and there 
inject a little bit of false confidence like I would with a job interview to kind of help move that forward, that's fine. There's there's nothing wrong with that. But the thing we want to look at is when we start using a fake it till you make it strategy to hide from the fact that we're uncomfortable, now we've got a problem. Now it's become something deceptive. In other words, it, suppose you'd never preached before and um, somebody says, you know, we'd like you to get up and, and give a word and, you know, encourage everybody. That's going to feel uncomfortable. That's that's going to feel weird. Well, you don't need to start your sermon by saying, I just want everybody to know how totally freaked out I am right now. And I I may vomit. Um, so, you know, just keep the first row clear just in case. I mean, you, you it's fine to say, hey, I'm glad to be here and I'm going to have some thoughts and I, I hope we all get it. That's fine. That's no problem. But if we say, I am really uncomfortable and I, I can't be okay with being uncomfortable, so I'm going to have to deceive myself and everyone else so that no one, me included, thinks I'm uncomfortable, that has become something unhealthy. That has become a problem. Projecting a little bit of confidence as a way of getting over the hump is not bad, but when we're using that as an avoidance mechanism because we're not willing to be uncomfortable, that's a separate thing, and that's what we want to steer clear of. That's absolutely right. I'll throw a little bit here on the end. I'm actually going to jump right on that point about preaching. Um, fake it till you make it is good in that the sense of the, if there's there are things you have to accomplish that if you're just super nervous, these guys talk about mainly about being new at something that actually stops you from having the experience you're trying to have. As Lee pointed out, you can't actually decide if you are getting anything out of worship if all you can think is, I don't know these songs or I don't <laughs> yeah. know these songs. I'm not clapping in the right word. If you just kind of through the verse until you catch a chorus, you'll actually be able to figure out things like, is this church right for me? Do I like what this song is saying? So on and so forth. When I started, uh, moved up here and started preaching the bridge, it was the first time that uh, preaching was actually a something I did regularly. And for the first couple months, I was kind of doing a Glenn impression. I was working little bits. It was my own thoughts and stuff, but Glenn is the person I had seen do the most preaching at the bridge and who was teaching me. And I saw I'd be very successful. So I just kind of did that for a little while. Now, as I got more confidence in being up there and the things I was saying, that translated into more and more me and less and less Glenn. And now it's kind of all me. And that's fine. Fake it till you make it only works if you use that whole phrase. You can't just chop that down to fake it. Yeah. Fake it till you make it is a transitional idea. It's like um, those little tied to go pins you can like get stains rid of. If you got pa- some- you spill something on your pants on the way out the door and don't have time to load your laundry, you can just hit the tied to go pin, get rid of that until we can deal with all this later. If you stopped doing laundry altogether <laughs> yep. and just used tied to go pins, that would be a bad decision. Yeah, right. and that's kind of where the unhealthiness of fake it till you make it comes on. Fake it till you make it is about working through the awkwardness of being in a new situation to actually be able to experience that situation. So it's a, it's a good tool, but it's not an overall philosophy of life. Yeah. All right. Move on to our second question here. This came in from our Tumblr friend. He died for me, live for him. There's a lot of uh, numbers and letters in that one. And that's how you know it's the internet. And they say, my sibling and I have felt a burden for the youth We want to start sort of like a youth movement this summer. Thing is, we need a solid foundation to build on. Any tips, any insight you have that might help us? Glenn, can you kick us off? Absolutely. And uh, this question came in uh, to the old Uncle Glenn blog. And I don't know if you guys know this. I've I've heard that it's... Slightly popular. Would you say the the question came into it because it just got caught in the popularity orbit? Pretty much. Um, So um, here's the thing. Let me. uh, There's a ton of stuff. Of course, we can we could talk for days on this stuff. And uh, and uh, so if you hear stuff that kind of sparks some ideas and you want to follow up with that, definitely hit me back up and we can talk in some more depth. But big picture stuff. Big first fork in the road you're going to find is: Do you want to have a large group, large scale mass meeting, large? large event or do you want to do something that's discipleship oriented that is do you want to build something into some youth who are then going to go out and reach other youth and so on and so forth um those you can't do both you cannot Hear me, church people you can't do both <laughs> right yeah you know the uh well and here's the thing is if you do the discipleship part then if those people go out and make disciples and those people make disciples, you reach a geometric curve where you get to lots of people, but it takes a while for that to happen. So 
if you if your interest is in doing both and you put all your chips into discipleship, I guess. But here's the thing. Uh, if you want to do a mass meeting, large group, large scale meeting, uh, that's paid advertising. That's how that happens. So you see a mega church, you see a, a famous uh, Christian author or whatever, that's an advertising based thing. It's how you, that's how that stuff is done. Uh, so, uh, and frankly, I can't tell you a whole lot about that beyond that basic reality because I have not done that and nor do I want to. Uh, so let me tell you about the other side of that. First and foremost, uh, if you're making disciples, your first job is put yourself out of a job. That's your goal, is you want to build in uh, an understanding of the Bible that allows them to read the Bible for themselves. You want to explain prayer to them in such a way that they're working stuff out in prayer on their own with their own relationship with God. You want to explain how to uh, share their faith with others in a way that they can do that without you present eventually and so on and so forth. So you're really trying to build in that sense of competence and whatever where they're not depending on you. Uh, That means uh, no, you don't have time then for gimmicks and tricks and hooks and little different little whatevers. that's not going to allow you for, for uh, doing quality discipleship. Discipleship is serious stuff. This is for people who are committed, they're, they're into this, and they're ready to get started. Uh, uh, you know, obviously you can do fun stuff, and you want to have fellowship time. So you may have a meeting where you get really serious and really get into it, and then the meeting's over, now we go nuts and play board games, we go out to eat, we do all sorts of fun stuff. So you want to mix those. You, you sort of want to keep those a little bit more discreet. Uh, you absolutely want to address the felt needs that people are going through. And that, that felt needs is a, a phrase that we use uh, to describe how to, to look at people and the needs that they feel they have and to address that rather than saying, well, you need to go to heaven. Well, yeah, but my boyfriend broke up with me. That's my crisis. Well, no, you don't need to do that. You need to go to heaven. You know. So by having that mentality of I'm going to tell you what you need and I'm going to change the channel on you, people end up turning you off and then walking away. But if you if someone says, you know, uh, I my boyfriend broke up with me and I'm in despair, and you say, well, how is that going between you and the Lord? Well, I feel like I can't talk to the Lord about it because I don't know how he feels about it because of this and that. You say, okay, well, let's deal with that piece so that you can – uh, get that connection going with God and feel a peace from him and then be able to handle this situation. So you're, you're still preaching the gospel. You're still putting God into it, but you're starting with felt needs. Final, final point, and I cannot overemphasize this. If you want to minister to people, you want to start something uh, kind of like you describe it as a movement, serve these people. Serve them. You are their servant. Right. You, they have spiritual needs. You are the servant to those spiritual needs. That I, you know, that's that's the beginning and end of what this is about. I don't know how many sermons I've heard that do not provide, do not serve anybody, don't do not give anybody anything that they could possibly need on anything at all in any way. Uh, if you were going to write a sermon, if you're going to write a, a talk, a Bible study, whatever, please sit down and take a second and say, would anyone care? about this uh i've heard sermons where and i understand when i uh, part of my job is coaching pastors and talking to pastors and i explain to them when you're going to preach a sermon stand up and in your first sentence if you wouldn't mind talk about me i don't want to hear about your trip your skit your kids your thing your dog your whatever i don't want to hear about a bible verse that you're quoting to me out of context that i don't know what it means your job is to explain what that stuff means not just quote it at me you get all this stuff in the wrong order but if you're gonna you know uh, it's like rock and roll you know when you, you when you play rock and roll you gotta it's not like jazz where you're just noodling around and seeing where it all goes it's, it's rock and roll you just get right straight down to business that's the mentality you need to have. If you're working with youth, youth won't cut you as much slack as adults will. And right. uh, every youth pastor you have ever met and talked to will tell you that if, if you ask them. And the point is you have to have a mentality of you're talking about them, you're talking about what they're struggling with, you're talking about their feelings, you're talking about what they need in order for them to move forward and progress in their walk. You're serving them. If you serve them and you feed them, they'll come back, they'll be involved, you'll disciple them, and they will go out and and create a movement for the Lord. Absolutely, Jed. 
Uh, well, Glenn is absolutely right on all that, and he said that you want to serve them. And the reason you want to serve them is so that, in turn, they can go serve other people. Exactly. And one of the things that I think you want to connect the folks that you're helping to raise up with is opportunities to meet physical needs in the community. Um, I can't... It, it, these stories are so common, they're cliche at this point, where it's the kid that's not interested in any of this Jesus stuff, anything Christian, thinks it's all kind of whatever, but then we go and we paint you know, the old people's houses, it's like, whoa, right? that just blew my mind. Right. Well, it's cliche for a reason. When you start putting faith into action, when you start expressing faith in the form of something meaningful, it is meaningful. Um, even right. even people where I'm not sure where I stand with this, they respect that, they get down with that. So I think you want to uh, plug the young people that you're working with into opportunities to serve in that kind of physical way. There's a million things you can do with that. That's oh, everything. Yeah. Not to interrupt you, but there's a lot that even kids can do every day in terms of seniors drive the freshmen to Absolutely. meetings, you know, the, the, the new kid at the table by himself in the lunchroom, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely right. So you've got those kind of day in and day out things. You want to urge them towards those. And you also want to urge them towards kind of, you know, we're going to take a Saturday and we're going to go paint old folks' houses. We're going to go, um, you know, uh, help out at uh, Habitat for Humanity. We're going to go help with the food pantry. Uh, and again, there's, there's a million ways uh, to do that. But the more that you can get um, the young people that you're working with involved in serving, again, like Glenn's saying, on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, kind of serving serving each other, you know, the new kid at school, as well as serving in physical ways in the community, that's going to have a huge, huge, huge impact on their lives. Uh, and that's also, if you can dig it, uh, that's going to... Uh, people that are not really all that serious about the Jesus thing and maybe they're just kind of there for the pretty girls, that's going to be the moment that forces them to decide what they want to do. Um, right. You know, uh, uh, and a certain, it'll surprise you. A certain number will say, you know what, I was here just for the pretty girls, but actually this is really cool. Right. right. I'm down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And some of them that you thought would, you know, stick around and say, you know what, I... I'm actually just here for the pretty girl, so I'm, right. I'm going to go to this other thing. Either way, though, what that's going to wind up with is a stronger, more unified, more on yes. fire, more lined out, more plugged in yes. movement. Yes. Um, now, you may not have, you know, big Christian bands coming in and playing concerts for you, but that will be an actual movement. Yeah. It will be an actual thing that's accomplishing good for the community. If you do what Glenn said and disciple your people and then connect them with opportunities to serve in their day-to-day -day lives in real physical physical ways, you will have created something truly epic for the Lord. Totally. Lee? Okay. Uh, I, I love what these guys are saying. We're just going to keep going in some of the same avenues. One thing that, let's just go ahead and talk about this. If you do this, you need to know that most of the people that you work with are going to go through the group and you won't know what the impact was. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But here's the thing. If you do your job, your group is going to be smaller than... Everybody in church thinks it ought to be. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And um, it's, but hey, Lee, there are going to, yeah. If I could just ask you just to give us some context, what would be, if you're starting from scratch, what would be a healthy number to shoot for if you're actually really doing discipleship? Uh, let's say you, let's say you start and then you're six months down the road. If you're hanging out with four kids, you are killing it. Right on. Absolutely. You are, you are crushing the ball. No question. Here's the thing. If you if you if you go into a situation in a church and they hand you 25 kids and then 8 months down the road, you got 12, 15 that really love coming to that thing, you're crushing the ball. Yep. Yep. Um here's the and here's the deal. 5 years from now, there's going to be three of those 12 that you're still really close to that are going to call you when things are hard yep. that yeah. are going to, that are, you know, that, that want you to do their premarital counseling that want you to talk, want you to tell them how to raise their kids and stuff like that. That that's, that that's the way that goes. It, you, you start with a group of you, you know, let's say you want to start reaching a high school. Well, let's say there's, 2000 people at that high school you get to know a bunch of them you just get to, you just go there where they are you get to know them you become friends with them you start to reach out to them like Glenn says you start to serve them you come up with a thing you're meeting together with several of them but just a few of them and then down the road you you teach them like how to pray how to read the scriptures how to walk with Jesus and then at the end of you know at the end of several months or a year or a couple of years you've got a few people that really that I mean that are are really getting it, really connecting the dots. And so I tell, the, I tell you that just so you know, 
this is not like doing this well doesn't mean you have 500 kids coming to your thing. Hello. It just doesn't mean that. And you don't you don't even want that because you can't know them. Here's what here's what you need to think. If you want to work with somebody, and this is for anybody that wants to be a pastor. If you want to be a pastor, it, you need to not only you need to know them. You need to know their siblings' names. You need to know their you need to know their pets' names. Do you see what I'm saying to you? You need to know the the name of their rec league basketball team. You you need to know them. And here's the thing. This is what I want to focus on for my answer is love them. Love them. Yep. Welcome them into the room. Your, your face should light up when you see them. They should feel like every time I'm around that dude or every time I'm around that girl, I feel so important. I feel so. And here's what you, you want to ask Jesus to help you just love them. Put a burden on my heart. Make Just put a squeeze on my heart every time they come around. I'm telling you it works. I'm telling you it works. Here's the thing. Oh, I, there was a kid that that came to our uh, that, that came to some of the different ministry things that I was doing. This is oh gosh, this is eight years ago. And after everybody else would go home, all the kids had been had been you know had left forty five minutes ago. This one kid would still be hanging around, and week after week after week would hang around for an hour after everybody else went home. And I asked one of the other leaders one time. I said, "Why is he hanging around so long after everybody else goes home?" And they said, "Because his parents don't love him like you do." And uh, why would he want to be home? And when he talks about it, he wants to be here because this is where he's loved. This is where he's welcomed. The thing that's so cool about that is that I watched that guy turn around and be one of the most loving people I have ever known. One of the most lovable, one of the, one of the most awesome people to be around. And, uh, and he didn't learn that at home. He learned that from the people who cared about him in Jesus' name. And that's what you want to do. I've had other kids who have called me, you know, they're, they're juniors in college and they get it one day and they call me and they say, dude, I just realized. And I'm like, what? And they're like, I was a jerk, man. I, like the whole time that I was in the youth ministry, I was a jerk, wasn't I? And I'm just like, you know what, dude? I loved you. And they're like, no, I, I know. I'm just saying like, I'm sorry for being a jerk <laughs> for four solid years. And I'm like, you know what, man? It's cool. I loved you. I really, really did. And they're like, no, I know. I'm just saying, dang, was that because because I'm trying to reach out to some people and they are jerks, <laughs> man. They are just jerks. So that's the whole thing is I would say love them, have good expectations, and be, be excited about the expectations that this is going to be smaller than I want it to be, and yet there are going to be some relationships that you have for the rest of your life. The last thing, whenever lonely people come into your group, you be the first one the first one to love them, to care about them. If there are people on the outskirts, they're fringe people, weird people, whatever it is, love them and teach your other kids how to love people well. They'll never forget it. Even if they suck at loving people, they're never going to forget that you did. And that's what you want to major on. Absolutely. Glenn, one more thing? Real, real quick. Everybody on this podcast is a product of of that kind of small group discipleship kind of thing that you're talking about yeah, here. Yeah, that's true. Uh, if, if you want to start a movement, you raise up people who can do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's a big part of the reason why we're advocating that none of us got where we are today and none of us could get where we are today by being part of some big anonymous herd. That wasn't, it just would never happen. You saying I shouldn't go to Big Anonymous Herd Memorial Church? Yeah, that's, probably that's, not. Oh, well, it's a little bit of an of a weird sounding thing. Sure. So yeah, no. Oh. Okay, we'll go to we'll go to our last question then. Now that we cleared that up, it's Kevin Anonymous at our Tumblr. It says, "How do you lovingly disagree with people? Conversations get heated when talking about topics like politics, religion, and sex, and I often find myself getting really angry that other people don't see my viewpoint." What can I do to calm down, and how do I keep loving them even though I may not want to anymore? Jed, can you start us off? I can. Well, my friend, I think the first question I would ask you is, what's your goal? Hello. What are you, what are you trying to do in this conversation? Because if your goal is to win, um, all that's ever going to be is people uh. yelling at each other. That's That's it. And I sense that's what you're looking to do is to win. You, you want to have the smart answer that everybody has to bow to. And I, I understand that. I hear that. But here's the funny thing, man, is the people that I know that are truly, truly experts in their field, they don't care if they win the conversation. 
it's kind of a it's kind of a weird paradox for me. This is gonna this might sound odd, but stay with me. With this Jesus stuff, at least certain aspects of it, I know what I'm talking about. I have lived it. I know yeah. what I know, and I don't care if I win the conversation at all. It makes no difference to me. If you if I'm talking to me say, well, I think you're an idiot, and I don't care, and I'm gone. All right, no problem. That's, I mean, I don't know why you have to be hurtful about it, but I'm, I'm not concerned. It's, you know, it doesn't make my ego burn or something. Um, I think you want to ask, um, what's your goal? If the goal is to win, it's going to be a confrontation. I think if the yeah. goal is to simply understand where the other person is coming from, then we can start to get into something actually really beautiful and that will build towards something ministerial. So, you know, you said, um, you know, uh, you, you mentioned here specifically politics, religion, and sex. Um, and obviously at this point in human history, there's a lot of crossover between those three things. Um, you know, suppose that, you know, you're talking to somebody and they say, well, I don't know about the thing with the Republicans and the whatever and besides and so forth, and I, I don't like it. Well, now you could in that moment um, try and convince them of how wrong they are. Or you could say, all right, man, well, tell me more about that. You know, what, uh, uh, what, what don't you like? What's, what's wearing on you? What's bothering you? And maybe they talk it out and they get into some stuff, and what you start to discover is that actually the thing that really bothers them is it feels like um, you know, nobody's trying to take care of poor people, and that really bothers them. Well, you actually agree with them on that. Um, you're a Christian. You think that poor people should be taken care of. Um, uh, not only is there not some sort of huge chasm between the two of you, y you guys are actually kind of on the same page on stuff that really, really matters. And in that moment, you can say to them, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, think, I think we should be taking care of poor people better, too. I'm, I'm, I'm right there. Part of the reason that this is important, my friend, is that people believe the things they believe for emotional reasons. Yeah. Um, people do not, and I can't stress this enough, they do not believe the things they believe for intellectual reasons because they're convinced of the doctrinal rectitude of them. They believe what they believe because of their feelings. They believe what they believe for emotional reasons. And if you don't understand what the emotions are that are driving their beliefs and convictions, then you can't ever hope to speak to those beliefs and convictions. And should those beliefs and convictions need changing, uh, you can't ever hope to change them if you don't understand the feelings and the emotions that are driving those beliefs. I'll tell you one more thing before I pass it on to these other brothers. If I'm going to get into an in-depth conversation, I'm looking for someone who's interested in learning something. Yeah. Um, uh, I asked you, I said at the beginning, we got to ask what's the goal of this conversation. Um, if their goal is to learn something... This is a conversation I'm interested in having. Uh, again, if the goal is winning, you can count me out. I don't care. It doesn't do anything for me. When we go into county jail and we uh, get started with a chapel service, that's a room full of dudes that are prepared to learn something. That's a room full of dudes that say, hey, um, my plans didn't work, so uh, I'm open to some new ideas. Now, I want, uh, I want you to earn it. You know, uh, you who's going to come in here and talk at me, I want you to, you know, uh, be credible. I want you to, you know, demonstrate that you love me. I want you to um, prove that you know what you're talking about. But if you'll do that, I'm prepared to take in some new information. I'm, I'm ready. Uh, and uh, if you can dig it, there's a lot of places in life where people are actually presenting themselves. I'm ready for some new ideas. Uh, things have not been going well. I'm ready for something new. I would encourage you, if you want to have a godly impact on people, seek out people that are ready for something new. There's nothing to be gained from picking a fight with people who are stuck on what they're on and not looking to change it. But right. if you find people that are ready for something new, get into the emotions of why they believe the things they believe, and then lovingly help them move to something new when they're ready for that, you're going to see a lot of success and a lot of good fruit out of that. Absolutely, Lee. Well, I, I love all that. I, I think the... One of the big things on this question is what what's the context of this? Are we are we in a are we in a debate where two people that are entrenched are trying to change each other's minds? Because I don't do any of that. Yeah. Um. No, I mean zero, absolutely zero of it. Um. I had there was a there was a high school kid <laughs> that wanted to talk to me because he wanted he wanted to uh, he wanted to prove 
you know, that this little doctrine and this one particular, you know, uh, you know, this one particular group, this one particular kind of church was the right way to think and everything. And, and, and I just told him, I, I don't want to have this conversation with you. I mean, I, I don't, I don't care. You know, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to change my mind about it. I'm not going to change yours. There's absolutely no sense. The only thing that can come out of this is us not being friends. And, uh, I'm not interested in that. And so let's not do this. Um, so I don't, I don't do any of that. Now, there are times in real actual relationships with people that you love, whether it be the friends, you know, your girlfriend or your wife or your husband or boyfriend or whatever, or bosses or, you know, people that you work with, where you do have to disagree about things. You do have to have confrontations and conversations. And, and, and the scriptures are, are clear about stuff like that. There's a place at the end of James chapter 3 that talks about two kinds of wisdom. It talks about these people that, that uh, you know, people that, that harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in their hearts. And, and he says, look, that kind, of, that kind of wisdom, it doesn't come from heaven, but it's earthly. He says it's unspiritual. He says it's demonic. Because wherever you have envy and selfish ambition, he says, you're going to find all kinds of stuff. Um, disorder and stuff like that. But then he says, but the the wisdom that comes down from heaven is, first of all, he says it's pure and it loves peace. He says that it's, I think he says it's considerate. And then he says that it's submissive, which in, in the original language, when you dig into that, the, the, the word there means that it's persuadable, easily persuadable. Now, when you find people that are, are godly wise people, there are people that in a, in a disagreement are willing to listen and they're willing to say, you know what, I'm, I, I, I'll, be, I'll be willing to t- be talked into this. Now, that's not the kind of situation where you're having a debate about your entrenched theological dogmas or something like that. We're just talking about disagreements that we have with, with people that we love, that we have, to, you know, we have conflicts. And, and I'll tell you this, I, I'm always really suspect about the kinds of things that I want to defend emotionally. I think Jed's exactly right. The people that the things that people really believe, they believe for emotional reasons. And I think it's good to in a healthy way be suspect about your own kind of the the things that you just want to be right about. Um because, you know, we have these really deceptive hearts beating inside our chest. Whenever I'm in a situation with someone that I love where it feels like a disagreement is unavoidable and we have to have this conversation, we have to have this conflict. One of the things that I always do is I always ask the Holy Spirit to help me by showing me myself. I always do that. Show me myself. I, I want to see if, if I've got any selfish ambition in this thing. In other words, just like Jed said, if my goal is to win, I want you to expose that. I, I want to figure that out. I want to root that out. And I want to be able to have this conversation in the most loving way possible. I want to be easily persuaded. I want to be able to see this thing from that person's point of view. It's something that I can say for me, I, I never, I, I never knew how to how to look at myself in a in a way of humility and argue with humility or have conflict with humility until I was like well into my thirties. That's that's just the truth. I was just a fighter the whole way up, and uh, and it's something that I'm starting to learn now. I'm not saying I'm great at it, but it is something that is hugely, hugely important that you be suspect of your own kind of emotional trenches and you be ready to look at something from somebody else's point of view. But as I'm saying at the beginning, if it's just debates about theological whatever or politics, I'm just not interested in those. I'm not interested in those conversations in any way. Totally. Glenn? Yeah, along those lines, I've been trying to have fewer opinions. Yeah. It just Dude, seems like old. less work. No, you know this. You know that old saying. Uh, uh, you know, opinions are like butts. Everyone's got one, and they, they all stink. I'm, I, fil- I'm familiar with a very similar saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's regional. <laughs> yeah, I think it was uh, the Virgin Mary that said that. I'm not sure, totally. but um, uh, the I think that's a great way of looking at it. Uh, I've been trying to have fewer opinions as I get older, and um. I'm making progress on that. I, I'd like to make more progress on it. I'd like to influence everyone else around me to have fewer opinions. Um, the second thing behind that is I think it's okay to ignore other people's opinions, particularly ones I did not in any way solicit. So, you know, uh, sometimes people say, well, you know, I'll tell you what I think. I think this, this, this. 
Okay, so should we get some hamburgers or what? You know, just I could just you know, if it was in you and it needed to come out, okay, fine. Uh, if you want to talk about it, well, let's talk about it. But uh, I get the feeling maybe it's sort of this Facebookification uh, effect. But I think there's a sense of everyone's an audience. You know, I have an audience of many people yeah. for my thoughts yeah. and whatever. And the thing is, uh, I'm not actually here to be your audience. I'm a, I'm just a dude. I'm I'm not a crowd of people. Um, and I, if you're going to give me your opinion, there are times where, you know, and I, I'm sure I'm not the only person that, that has this happen, but I'll have people who have deep thoughts and deep opinions that no one's listening to. And then I'll preach in a church or something, or I'll say something where it's sort of close to something that they're passionate about. And they'll come up to me after the service and say well see that's what i'm always telling people about is that we have to always do whatever and there comes a point where you have to put your hand on somebody's shoulder and say so are you teaching me now is that you're teaching Uh you're explaining things to me is that or 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 am i explaining them to you i'm confused because i'm okay with whichever but you have to explain it well no i just want to talk about it no you're this isn't a discussion you're you're giving me your sermon here uh, you know, so I think sometimes we have to kind of clarify that uh, what the context of that relationship is. Uh, I, it's hard for people to get an opinion out of me. I actually don't want to tell you my opinions on them because, as I say, I'm, I'm having fewer of them. So uh, generally speaking, you, you had to ask me and ask me in a, in a way that I think you're actually teachable and as, as Lee is saying, persuadable. Otherwise, if you come along and say, well, here's my really uninformed political opinion. <laughs> Why don't you tell me your opinion, which is completely the opposite based on, you know, way more than me. And you're about to totally embarrass me. Yeah. Why don't you just go ahead and stick your head in that lion's mouth? There comes a point, I think, where we have to be mature enough to say, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about what's going on with you. Yep. Uh, let's talk about, you know, real serious matters, serious concerns. Uh, but uh, you d- don't ask my opinions on politics. I don't have any. I don't care. Whatever you want. I uh, Let's talk about you. Let's talk about what you're going through. Those kinds of things. I think we have to give ourselves permission to change the context of those relationships. Yeah, that's absolutely right. One thing I'll tackle in here right on the same note is uh, it's very – it's a very common thought, maybe especially among young people, that if you're passionate about something, that means you have to argue about it at every chance you get. Yeah. That's just not a. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to go any very good place, Jed. Uh, to build on that real quick, something I I would offer as a challenge to people listening to this podcast, particularly people who are younger, if you believe that you're passionate about something, act on it. Right. Find a way to live that concern out rather than speak that concern out. Yeah. The world doesn't need more words. Of, right. of this much, we can be certain. If you think, for example, if you think that abortion is a terrible thing, and we all agree with you on this podcast, right, right. Um, live that out. Right. Get involved with a crisis pregnancy center. Get involved with um, uh, you know, a group that helps to facilitate adoption. Get involved with a ministry like New Moms here in Chicago that provides housing to unwed teen mothers. Mm-hmm. Live out yeah. your concern. Yeah. We, don't need, we don't need your concern on Twitter. Live out your concern. And if you find, here's the important thing if you find a way to live out your concern, even the people who disagree with you will respect you. Right, right. Yes, it often comes up, and I'm afraid about how much I have to say it. Any opinion about life that can be be expressed via bumper sticker is not an opinion worth having. We could pretty much expand that out to tweet or Facebook status update. Life is complicated. People have opinions for a serious number of reasons, and it's the fact that someone hasn't argued them out of them yet is not one of those. Now, I want to be very clear that we're not saying don't be passionate about things like theology or politics or sex or whatever. You know, right. if, you, if you have very strong, if you're a young lady and you have very strong opinions about the wage gap in this country and what people are doing to address that and how much, that's great. Now, you're probably not going to get anywhere by going into the young Republicans meeting at your college and yelling at them about that, make it a little better off studying that, seeing if there's anything you can do, lobbying groups you can support, this, that, and the other. It's great to have opinions. It's great to have passion. But just screaming at people who you disagree with isn't going to get you there. And to go back to the context of your question of how do I keep loving these people even though I vehemently disagree with them, one way, the easiest way, is just to not have that conversation. Yes, 
If you know Uncle Gary watches Fox News 23 and a half hours a day and you're part of the Young Democrats group, when you hear him say Obama at Thanksgiving, just leave the room. Yep. That's going to make life easier for all of us. That way you don't hear it. So you don't get so crazy about him. And then when he says, say, Uncle Gary, we're, we're not doing that. Just go sit down. We're just, no. Right. Yep. We're, that's how we maintain the peace. All right, we appreciate you, appreciate you listening. If you have a question, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. want to give a little shout out to our friend on Tumblr, Intricately Simple, hmm. who did a cool thing. She actually, uh, I, I run the Bridge blog, and I'll put up a few quotes from this podcast a week on our Tumblr. And she actually went into business for herself on that and pulled out a quote from Glenn from several episodes ago and threw that up on the Tumblr. And uh, that's gotten reblogged by us. So if you do that, if you, uh, we love when folks do that, quote the podcast on any social media platform. Leave a review. Leave a review. And also, if you do that, either if there's room in your tweet or Tumblr or whatever to tag us, that's awesome. If not, email us, let us know. We, we love when people do that. We want to uh, be able to retweet, reblog, and kind of boost the signal on that stuff. Leave a review. Also leave a review. Review. While you're, while you're leaving reviews, why don't you check out The Bridge Podcast? It comes out every Monday. And The Bridge Loud Podcast, which is our brand new heavy music podcast. Woot. You get uh, heavy music that's been either produced or curated by Jed from Heavy Axe here in Chicago. That's all sorts of kind of what would be considered a loud rock, heavy metal music. And you also get sermons by Glenn and some heavy metal Bible memorization tracks, which just saying that sentence makes you sound cooler. So why wouldn't you? So There's no program on the planet like that. Indeed not. If that's your kind of music, uh, check that out and uh, share it around. If it's not your kind of music, you can, Glenn, leave a review. Leave a review. Here's the thing iTunes doesn't check whether or not you listen to it. You say, look, I like a certain light adult contemporary myself. That's cool. Help us out. Go leave a review. So, the Bridge Loud on we, iTunes. Matt, you're saying you can... We, it is spiritually okay to fake it till you make it when you leave a review. Absolutely. Well, I think if you know you'd hate that podcast if you listen to it, the most honest thing you can do is leave the review and not listen to it. Say, I like the idea of it. Absolutely. It's a five-star concept. I just don't want to experience it myself. And also remember, missionusa.com slash bridgebox, missionusa.com slash BBLY. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. No chickens were harmed in the taping of this episode. <laughs> Yet. <laughs>